Hi, I'm Jane. And I'm Sophie. Welcome to A TARDIS OF ONE'S OWN. A queer feminist journey through time and space and new who. Good, sorry, I was just swallowing a mouthful of tea. I'm good, thanks, yeah. Unseasonably warm. It is warm today. It's just kind of thrown me off somewhat, but it's because I need to, I promise I'll limit my complaining of the heat to this podcast, but it's like I need to get my, like, coping with hot temperatures resilience up. Yeah. Like, I've got my winter homeostasis, (laughs) (laughs) and now I'm like, no, it's okay. And I'll get to the point by the end of summer where I'm like, ooh, chilly, and it's like 20. Yeah. But now I'm like, oh my god, it's like 17. So warm. Um, no, I'm good, thank you. Nice to have to be here. Good vibes only. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Clinging to the good vibes in the face of a lot of bullshittery. We have decided to gaslight ourselves into <laughs> believing in good vibes. So now every time either of us gets upset or annoyed, we just go good vibes only. Good vibes only! Because if we keep telling ourselves that the vibes are good, perhaps one day we will believe it. Is this toxic positivity? <laughs> I think it is, but... Only toxic if it's toxic. Like, you know, like, it's helping. <laughs> like, this is... yourself away. Yeah, no, exactly. And also, I feel like for the first, like, year of this podcast, we talked about how tired we were. Yeah. And then we were like, no, we're not. So we gassed ourselves into not being tired. We're still tired, spoiler. But we just don't talk about it. So... Because it's is boring. That okay? So if we're just like, I'm fine. Are you fine? You are also fine. Fine. Blink three <laughs> times if you need a rescue. Yeah. Uh, great. <laughs> So, on that note, how are you? I'm fine. Fine. <laughs> yeah, no, incandescent with rage as per, but that's fine. It is what it is. And it is justifiable, just to, if anyone questions this, it is justifiable rage. Hopefully next time we do this podcast, there will have been some sort of resolution, but that seems like a vain hope. And or a workplace shooting. <laughs> Joking. <laughs> if GCSB is listening, that's a joke. Do not call the authorities. <laughs> Fuck, that's not a funny joke for the American audience. Oh, well, it's your fault, guys. Blame the Republicans. Oh, God. Yeah, what is going on? No, we're not even getting into that. <laughs> no, we can. Whole... We're, in a, we're like nine days away from our election here, and it's just, it's not looking... Promising. Lefty successful, so... So on that topic, let's just uh, skip ahead to the episode summary, because we will spiral. <laughs> yeah, 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 so, yeah, go. Crack in. Uh, we watched episode two, The Fires of Pompeii. The Doctor tries taking Donna to ancient Rome for her first trip in the Tardis, but instead they find themselves in Pompeii in 79 AD on the eve of the catastrophic eruption of Mount Vesuvius. Why can't the soothsayers see what's coming? The Doctor <sighs> and Donna face an ethical dilemma of having to walk away from a fixed point in time where everyone is doomed for destruction. Mmm... Yeah. Fun. It was. It was. I felt like it was a romp. Okay, so I'll just crack into discussion topic. Oh, let's do the Bechdel first. Oh, Bechdel, fuck. Bechdel. Yeah, all right. Yes. Yes. We've got yes. women and cults. Great. We yes. love it. it means women talking to each other. Mum and, mum and daughter talking about... Seeing the future. Seeing soothsaying stuff. We don't use the word soothsayer enough in common use. Yeah, I know. So I think I only know it because of Asterix. Same. Asterix and Obelix. <laughs> they've just decided to do that translation and it always came out as soothsayer because they have the druids, but then yeah. they also have specifically the soothsayer. But I think I'm watching too much Vikings where they always call them the seer. Yeah, right. Are they the same as Orgreys? Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, they are in Rome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's an auger, but they also call him a soothsayer. It's the same thing. Right. Like, but... That's like a low level. So like the auger of Rome is like actually very political position. And it was like a big dog and you got a lot of power with that because you could be like, the entrails are not auspicious and like shit wouldn't go ahead and it would like throw off someone's campaign. We should adopt that. Or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. Fuck yeah. Make Chloe Sorbrick the auger 
in a national government and then just be like, I'm sorry, Chris. The, I saw a black crow flying over the beehive. So Parliament, go away. <laughs> like in the Road to El Dorado, where it's like the stars can't do it. Not today. Stars aren't in alignment. Yeah. So like the Orga as a proper position was in Rome, and that okay. was like a very like, and it changed every one again, and very open to like political influence and whatever. Mm-hmm. So this is like a lower level of that kind of same thing that it's like ritual based, superstitious based. For uh, ritual purposes. <laughs> ritual purposes, yeah. So, you know, there's just a lot, of, a lot going on. Yeah. Good to yeah. know. Okay, so discussion question then. Yeah, so discussion. Sorry, I just got distracted because I got a kitten scratch on me and I didn't no. notice it. Jen got kittens. Further to our last podcast, where you said there might be kittens. Yeah, there Please are go, kittens. And now there's kittens. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so I think, like, when you did the summary, that, that came out with a lot of interesting topics there. Like, we could have done being able to predict the future or having a fixed point in history and like mm. but then we've done like rewriting the past like we've kind of done done those like history time based stuff mm-hmm. and i think there's a lot more scope for that so this one specifically which i thought was very rome pertinent is the idea of conquering yeah right episode related it's the roman empire the og motherfuckers of conquering Love <laughs> conquering conquer. peoples um places and things yeah literally and then the, what turns out to be the baddies in this episode, the pyroviles. Pyroviles? Pyroviles. Pyrovile. From Pyrovilia. Only one L. I really put a oh, lot cute. of effort into that name. Yeah. The pyroviles, and they are taking over by gradually petrifying mm. humans. Conquering is like, we can we could easily let this segue into colonialism, which is a much, much broader topic. But I was thinking in that kind of in a feminist queer space, like, conquering uh, through pervading culture mm. and a kind of like monoculture but also conquering thought yeah being right. like actually you know things have changed like our ideals of what is okay and what isn't like it's not okay to marginalize people like communities are getting more progressive because they're like no actually it's cool to you know embrace gay people in the church like you know that kind of conquering of those older fixed mentalities mm. but also it goes both ways and just as much as we're seeing that in some sectors, we're seeing an increasing conservatism in others. Mm, puritanical thought, right? Yeah, absolutely. And that moving in and taking over and actually a walking back of rights and privileges. Yeah. Interesting that you can view conquering as like conquering a thought. One sect of society decides that this is the way we do something and then suddenly mm-hmm. that just becomes the norm and no one questions it. You could talk to like religion is like that, Christianity. Right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like if we talk about the American political system and how pervasive mm-hmm. Christianity is in that, when that you would argue is not what the founding fathers initially anticipated. They wanted, you know, a country where people were free to practice whatever they wanted. And yet Christianity is so baked into the way that American politics operate the way that a lot of american people view themselves even i would say yeah. especially middle america I'm, I'm watching friday night lights at the moment and she is very there's a lot of religious people in that mm. like we have a very secular society in new zealand like it's very rare for religion to enter our politics and when it does everyone's a little bit creeped out yeah i think oh, this reminds me of not a few years ago but not that long ago i saw some stats on like preferred president votings in america and it was like, would you prefer this kind of president? Would you prefer a woman? Would you prefer someone who's black or like a other person of color? And the one that got like pretty fucking low, if not the lowest, was atheist. Mm. That they're like, but they have to be a person of God. They have to have a faith. Because what's going to keep them on the moral part? Like they're completely like one and the same. Yeah. And you can mm. look at this kind of transphobia as a colonization of thought in a way, because it, I remember a couple of years ago when this all started, you started to see this kind of 
anti-trans rhetoric coming out from like conservative countries and it was very strange it was very Mm. weird you were like why would anyone do this like why is this a conversation that we're having it just seems like this whole think of the bathrooms it was just very strange and very bizarre and yet it's become very pervasive it's at the highest levels of politics and it's so controversial and drag story time and they're grooming our children and all this nonsense that five years ago wouldn't have been a conversation that suddenly is one yeah and then it's hard to not kind of go along with like are they just picking a thing to really get into Mm. to just like i don't know like not distract is the wrong word but you know like keep us focused on like fighting for this particular thing and then like doing other things greater like we're in the cost of living crisis like but this is the thing Everything. with conquering, right? We've talked about this mm. before. Like, every time we live through major events, it feels like we're the first people to ever do it. And yet, throughout human history, previous people have lived through wars. They've lived through being conquered. Yeah. And do oh, you yeah. even notice it? Like, if you're just Maximus selling his vases down in the corner, do you care who's in charge? Or does your life not actually change, depending on which person is ruling the roost? You know, like, the day-to-day doesn't really matter like if we got conquered by china tomorrow like if they invaded new zealand would my day-to-day really change Mm, definitely not quickly and this is the thing like it's rarely a overnight thing i mean sometimes occupations do happen quickly as part of like wars but like the british isles invaded a shit ton by lots of different parties over millennia i mean like the romans even Mm. and that ended up going like I mean, a mixed bag, obviously, like, like, Roman, um, forces had conflict with existing Celtic tribes, because England wasn't, like, one country, it was very separate Mm. Celtic tribes, and they had lots of fights and battles depending, but then with other tribes, they made full truces, like, being and having identity of being Romano-British came Mm. out, like, they were there long enough that, like, people, Romans married, English women like they had children and it got to the point where the Roman Empire fell and then there's people living in English built villas living a very Roman style well for the colonies Roman style Mm. of life and then the Roman Empire gradually receding and then being left out in the cold yeah which is another thing Mm. you see as well with Russia right like Russia being so massive and when you get to like the eastern edges of Russia which border China and how Mm. so many people who live there feel more aligned to China than they do to Russia Mm. or you know vice versa when you have these countries and these groups that spread out so far and wide who you feel like you should pledge allegiance to is different to what your border or your country might be it's interesting it is interesting and everything I know about the conquering of Europe or of England or Britain rather is also what I learned from Asterix. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very educational. Yeah. No, just they moved up through Europe. They got to France. They spent a lot of time there. Like went went through, like the Rhineland. Fought a lot of Germans. Savage, savage Germans, as they thought. Yeah, and then like had a couple cracks at England, but and then eventually got there. And then built a sad wall, which Sophie this week informed me was not in fact that height. <laughs> R.I.P. Poor Sycamore Tree. I love it that they got to Scotland and then had a crack and were like, fuck this fucking shit, we're building a fucking wall. Like, keep the Scots out. They're assholes. <laughs> We've had enough. We've gone as far They're as like, we're going to go. And already, like, like I've been talking about this before on the pod, I think that, like, Roman soldiers did never wanted to get posted to <laughs> England because they thought it was literally the arse end of the world. It was freezing cold. There was no culture. It rained all the time. Food would be shit. English people were horrible. They Not just hated it. Not a tomato for miles. Yeah. And, like, think how long it would take as well on foot like even marching along the very great roman 
yeah. roads, like you're on foot yeah. all the way from Italy to England, and the last little bit on little boats across the channel, like, nah, no one wanted it. Asterix in Britain, great, great <laughs> one if you want to get started. We had the, the movie as well, which my mum had illegally taped, <gasps> so we would watch it all the time. Amazing. Yeah, so I think there's a lot there. Even, like, got further to the conquering of Thor aspect, this, like, personal level conquering of fear. Mm-hmm. So we see this in the episode where Donna, first of all, you know, when she had that first opportunity to go with the doctor, she was like, nah, I don't like it, I'm out. Like, she had a, sh- like, it was a scary time. She wasn't into it. And then she was like, actually, this isn't the life I want. Yeah. Like, I want more than this. And also, my mum's oppressing me, it's horrible. So that yeah. conquering that fear of, like, I want to do something different and going after it. And then even through this episode, she's really confronted by some dark shit. Mm. Like, they talk about how, so, the eruption of Vesuvius and then the destruction of Pompeii and the surrounding area, like the Doctor describes as this fixed point in time, and there's a little bit of exposition later that you know, there's sometimes more fluid points in history and there's fixed points, and the fixed points you just can't change. Mm. Like, no matter what you did. He was like, no matter what you did, you can change, but also we can't intervene. Yeah. <laughs> Which kind of is a contradiction, but it's like, we just have to let it happen. And Donna finds that really, really hard. Yeah, which I actually really, really hate. So we can talk about that. Mm, okay. I, it's one of the things that I remember really disliking about Donna as a companion. I yeah. remember this episode in particular really fucked me off. Mm. Because I feel like you don't know enough. You don't have the information. The Doctor is the subject matter expert for all mm-hmm. intents and purposes. He's told you that this is a thing. And you're like, Donna, human, no. Like, she's so sassy about it. And she gives him a lot of shit. And he's like, a volcano's going to erupt. Is that my fault, is yep. it? And she's like, right now, yes, it is. And like, that's not fair. Yeah. That's like conversations I have with my colleagues where they act like what we're doing is like people are going to die because of what we do. Yeah, yeah. And it's actually not that black and white. It's not that simple. Yeah. Like you have to acknowledge that these other things going on and to put that on him I think is incredibly unfair. I think maybe he should have given her the lecture about the fixed point in time stuff before they got on out of the TARDIS. Maybe there should be a little PowerPoint <laughs> that he does for yeah. all his companions. Onboarding. Yeah. So that they're a bit more aware because now we're gonna we're gonna probably, you know, have the same conversation about Rose and her dad and like yeah. all these things that should just be basic time travel things. And it really annoys me that she gets so wound up by it. I think it's that emotion that I find difficult. It's just like boring. I don't know. Like I just don't I don't like emo- I don't like what I feel is an unreasonable emotional reaction. And like it's not unreasonable to be sad that people are gonna die. It's fucking horrific. Yeah, it is sad. But lashing out as it were I'll also counter yeah. that though because she walks out of the TARDIS and she's like oh this is a dead Roman and he's like maybe don't say that to them maybe don't say to them that they're dead and then so at that point in time when she thinks she's just in the oh, past yeah. she's very happy for them to be dead but as soon as that becomes an actionable thing that she feels she's witnessing then she's not comfortable with it it's kind of like those people who are like I'm a meat eater but I could never kill my own food like that is uh, what she's doing yeah 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 so I don't know, maybe you're right. Maybe there is some conquering that needs to happen there in terms of like what it actually means to be a time traveler and what it means for the Doctor to be a Time Lord as well. Like there's a conquering of fear, a conquering of intelligence gaps, for yeah. want of a better word. If, even with Peter Capaldi's character and the family, right? Yeah. Well, and Quintus. Quintus, the breaker in Interet. Are you being in a bed? Oh my god. I have such an interesting point on them it's in my random observations we'll get back to it yeah i think it's a really good point and like maybe it's this wider idea of conquering the fact that you don't know Mm. like donna comes across like she fucking knows like she wants to be knowledgeable like Mm. she objectively doesn't know a lot about a lot like she's lived in a very specific part of england she's kind of stayed there she's had with no judgment a certain type of life yeah 
but isn't someone who would easily be like admitting fault or admitting weakness as she would perceive it. Yeah. So you've got to leave your idea of who you are and what the world is. Her defensiveness comes across as very aggressive. She's very aggressive mm. in her ignorance. Yeah. And sometimes she comes back, she usually walks her back, but her initial instinct is always to fight and always to like fight her corner. And it's like, sometimes you just aren't right. You don't have the information and you just need to let that go. Like conquering the self, I guess. And like this compulsion to conquering the ego. Yeah, yeah. And I'm not a fan of the argumentative vibe between doctor and companion. And it's not like we always want a yes person because we definitely complained about that enough with like Rose. When someone's like, okay, yeah, sure. And the doctor makes all the decisions. Like that's too far the other way. But I don't want to see bickering. No. And you need like, what I want is healthy communication. Yes. Yes. And I feel like the doctor is making strides in that. He is making, he's actively making choices to counteract things that he's done wrong previously he's trying and he says at the end of this you're right i need someone and i think that is correct he does need someone Mm. to sort of keep it on the the straight and narrow yeah so i have interesting i kind of like not not get annoyed at but like something a bit lighter than that but this idea of him outsourcing his conscience and i feel like that happens and it's typically guys who are like using the moral compass of women to be like, oh, you keep me in check. You make me emotional remember the labor. human aspect. Yeah, and it's a fucking emotional labor. Yeah, and like, even if he hadn't saved anyone, would that have been so terrible? Like, it's painted as this big moral failing. And like, he's like, oh, Donna, you keep saving me by making sure that I'm not doing these morally apprehensible things. But if he hadn't saved that family... It's four people out of 20,000. These people were going to die anyway, whether he was there or not. Or, or, like, that's the point. And he's like, oh, maybe... Because he has that conundrum at the end where he's like, oh, this is going to be me. If I don't do anything, this is actually going to be me, right? Mm. But no. Yeah, I don't know. Like, you saw for, you saw a family in abject suffering and imminent fear of getting volcanoed. And he was like, out of my hands. And then if it has, if it has importantly, no bigger time fuckery repercussions, then like, fine. Yeah, put them in the TARDIS, get them out of there. Because, you know, that was a moment of suffering that in the grand scheme of things you could have... It doesn't matter. But also, I don't know, like, it, it, if you're not meant to fuck with time, you're not meant to fuck with time. Yeah, and this is the thing. Like, if you're a time traveller, maybe you just need to absolve yourself from that moral conundrum. Yeah, just because... be like, I'm here to observe. Yeah. You're like, Attenborough. Yeah. When you see fucking see horrible shit go down. A baby and... antelope being murdered. Or when the little baby elephant got stuck in the mud, yeah. in the mud thing. Or when the walruses threw themselves off a cliff. And, and they then, just stand there. And they're just like, nah, we got to I actually saw a little reel the other day where someone, some nature docos guys in Antarctica intervened. You're not supposed to intervene. I know. Well, there was, this, there was this little gang of penguins that got separated from the main penguin pack and they got stuck in a little gully, Aww. like a little crevicey valley thing. And they were freezing and they had baby chicks on their feet, mm. but then the chicks were just freezing and dying because the penguins couldn't get up the walls. Like they'd walk down into it, but then like the weather got bad and they couldn't get out. And so then they were filming it and then the guys were like, the camera people were like, now we've decided we're going to intervene. And they dug steps. They went down in and dug steps into the side of the valley so the penguins could walk out. So they still had to get themselves out. Yeah, they didn't like pick them up or anything. Yeah, Yeah, they just gave them and then they hoped that after a while, that they did a time lapse and after a while the penguins realised that the steps had been and they could get out. Mm. And they started getting out and then not all of the chicks had died, so. Yeah, it's interesting. It's interesting about like, where is your responsibility? But if you... If you take into the fact that you're not supposed to be there, those, that camera crew is not supposed to be yeah. there, 
if they weren't there, the penguins would have died. Yeah. Therefore, you are this. You're just there to bear witness, right? Yeah. Like that is your job to bear witness. Yeah. Now you've inserted yourself into the narrative. You've crushed a butterfly. You've set on a butterfly. Now what? Now we're all evolving into worms. Like, yeah, you well, don't know. I mean, I don't know. Maybe, like, to keep the po- penguin population... It wasn't heaps of them, but it was some. And, like, to keep the penguin population under control, maybe they lose a certain amount of bad decisions every year. And that keeps <laughs> the penguin population, like, the wider pack safe because there's not too much pressure on food resources. But now they've, like, saved a bunch from yeah death. I don't know. Who maybe, knows? It's that kind of thing. Like, maybe yeah. we're just too neutral. As in our morals, I am very chaotic neutral. And if we were a true good or a true evil, these things would be easier. But we're very much like, it's not black and white. It's never black and white. These things are never black and white. Whereas Donna is like, so this is the right thing to do. And that is annoying Mm. to me as someone who thinks there is nuance in all decisions. Yeah, cool. Anywho. Yeah, no, it's Conquering bad decisions. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, actually, no, quick sidebar on the episode. Mm. So... This was actually partly filmed in Italy. Yeah, the first time they went. Yeah. Since like the 70s or something. Yeah. I know, I read about this. It was the biggest production by a long shot of the reboot. Mm. So like modern Who. New Who, as we call it. They used lots of sets based in Italy that had been used for the TV series Rome. Ah, uh, yeah. Right. Did you ever yeah. watch Rome? I did, yeah. I was a big fan. Mm. Big fan. It has hot ginger guy from Grey's in it. Oh, Kevin right. McKidd. The worst character in Grey's Anatomy. Yeah. Oh, oh is he a bad one? Oh, yeah, he's oh, I've only watched that extremely... Oh, actually, I think maybe I didn't know that. Yeah, no, I've never I've never watched um, properly Grey's, but also, he was a hottie in Rome. I also don't watch Grey's Anatomy, but my housemate does, so I occasionally glimpse episodes of it, and the other day I realised that Luke from the OC is in it, and he plays a doctor that I quite like, and so every time he's on screen I go, Welcome to the OC, bitch! <laughs> Luke, Luke isn't the one that was way too old, but was like Maurice's boyfriend, yeah. right? And then he beats Ryan up in the f- end of the first episode, and he goes, "Welcome to the OC, bitch." Hence, but Ryan is the one that was. Uh, oh, but, then, yeah. but Luke was her previous boyfriend. Yeah, yeah. And then yeah, Ryan yeah. is the one that comes in, and everyone's like, "He's seventeen, and From you're like, that man is thirty fucking five. But all right, <laughs> I'm actually just fact checking myself to make sure that it was in fact Kevin McKidd in Rome, but I'm pretty sure it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lucius Verinus in the historical drama series Rome. 2005 to 2007. Oh, yeah. So just before this who. Yeah. Yeah, and so the sets were there and so they used them. I feel like that was unnecessary. <laughs> I feel like we don't see enough of Rome for, well, of Well, Pompeii. I mean, the outsidey bits, like, when they're, you know, I think it would cost, it would have cost them a lot. But then I think it, for their, if this is the biggest production they've had so far, we've had quite a lot of period set. Mm. But I think it's just that in England, maybe there's perpetually Victorian time sets. There's Second theater. World War set. Yeah. They're like, go to the Second World War set in like Pinewood Studios. It's just always ready to go. Yeah, always it's ready like to go. like how in the US they've got like Stars Hollow slash Midtown America just always ready to go. Yeah, yeah, always ready to go. Or like the New York sets that are in LA yeah, yeah, on the big yeah, sound yeah, stages yeah. that just sit there and then everyone can just use them for when they need to film in New York. So funny. It is extremely funny. I will just say this whole volcano thing really hit different in the wake of Fakari, White Island. Yeah. We in New Zealand had a volcanic eruption last year? No. No. 2019. Uh, December 2019. Yes. Right. These times, they just melt together. Dude, what's happened in the last four years? Like, just... But it was horrific, and the volcano erupted, and lots of people suffered extremely bad burns. Lots of people died. And the people who inhaled the ash suffered horrific sulfur burns on their lungs. Yeah. And so watching these people with the smoke, breathing it in, 
and like even the family, right? They huddle in the corner, and the ashes falling on them. I'm like one, the ashes burning them. Two, yeah. their lungs are not coping with this. No, no, no. But none of that is addressed. But now I know this because yeah. of this horrible thing that has happened to our country. No, it gives it an extra level. Hey, when he's like, oh, but it's cool because our hippocausts underground under floor heating system are unlike the Roman ones. These ones are geothermal. I'm like geothermal. Is very close to home. We've got a lot of geothermal in New Zealand, but geothermal is the thing that ends up fucking them because they're too close to the volcano, and it's like blows them up. Yeah, no, it's a great point. Also, on the topic of conquering, like this Mm. idea that Pompeii would challenge Rome for like the seat of power. Like there was this real battle Mm. between who was actually in charge of this empire, right? Like the Roman Empire, so it's Rome, but Pompeii's like we can have a big sprawling empire as well, and. The Venetians, of course, were also doing this. Venice were also a big power in the empire. Yeah, and I think at different points in history, there's different... Because, again, that concept, like in Britain, of a unified country mm. is is relatively late in the piece. Same with Greece, right? Like Athens Yeah, 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 100%. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like but yeah. Sparta being its own separate yep. thing. and yeah. But this is what the Pyrovillians exploit in like, mm. trying to get them on board, get these seers on board, this big empire that's going to stretch across the world. Yeah. Leaving out the crucial fact that everyone's going to turn into little stone goblins. Yeah, that was creepy. I don't like the stone goblins. Though it did remind me of your tattoo idea. Yeah. <laughs> to get scales. Yeah. yeah. Um, snake skin. Yeah. Stone skin. It reminded me of Game of Thrones. And then oh, I it had did! To, yeah, I had to go look up when Game of Thrones was released, which was after... after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah it was, yeah. Definitely by the stone skin bit, but like maybe he wrote it. When did he write it? Yeah, who knows? Who the who fuck knows? <laughs> knows? If anyone knows if George R. R. Martin is writing, please let me know. Because when I looked this up, I realized that it gets bigger every time between yeah, books. Yeah, it was yeah. like a year, then it was two years, then it was four years, then it yeah. was eight years. Now it's we're coming up 16 years, George. Oh, but La- no, oh, 14, 15, yeah, almost. Like a the last time. book came out in 2011. Oh, my damn. guy. My guy. That's when the TV series came out. That's season one. Is 2011. He's just never going to finish. He just stopped writing. No, me and Jen have a running joke where each one of us ever sees in a thing like, George R. R. Martin is like producing or is advising this TV series or he's blah, blah, working on House of the Dragon. And we're like, he's doing anything to not finish the fucking books. He's like, I'm fucking done. This shit's going to die with me. My theory is because he always wanted it to be a TV show. Like, he originally pitched it as a TV show. It didn't get any pickup, so he started writing the books, right? And now when oh. you look at the books, you're like, they're fucking massive. I don't know what you were doing, <laughs> my guy. You didn't Nick Hornby this and write screenplays, that's yeah, for sure. Yeah, 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 But then, of course, the TV show got made, so maybe he's like, well, I've told my story. I don't need to finish it. Yeah, so, funnily enough, this most recent weekend, me and my partner were talking about this as well, and we are like, he doesn't have a win state, because mm. if he writes the books as the show ended, then all the people that hated that are gonna, gonna be hate. but yeah. then if he writes it as he can't unlearn what he's learned from different ideas about it right so like unless he's had like a really fixed idea in his head all this time of how he wanted it to end a the show didn't do that and b if you if he had that surely you've just written the fucking books well yeah so apparently he did tell the showrunners that spoiler for those of you who are somehow very late to this party but bran <laughs> becomes king Mm. Like, that has always been the end state. I don't have any beef with that either or. Like, I think that's fine. Yeah. I, I did not care about the ending of Game of Thrones. I was just glad to have my life back. Yeah. But I think there is a more interesting way to tell that story. And he has left so many threads not tied up in the books. Like, things mm. that aren't even in the show. Like, there's so much shit in there. 
You need a fucking flowchart just to figure it out. And like, so you can tell a really interesting story wrapping all that up, still getting to the conclusion that we saw in the show. Yeah. But he's just not going to do it. He's not going to do it. And that is annoying. Yeah. And like, he's not a spring chicken either. So I think... No, he is not. So thanks for listening to our Game of Thrones Thrones podcast. (laughs) No, it's right. We just, we're far reaching. Let's talk about the TARDIS as modern art. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I love that the wife is like, get this out of my house. Amazing. And they're not but cute at the end where they're like, pray to the household gods, Quintus. And he's like, and it's the TARDIS, the Doctor and Donna. Yeah, that was pretty cute. Also, we can't, we'd be remiss to say the fact that there are two Doctor Who alumni also in this episode. Oh my god, yes. Got Karen Gillan playing a soothsayer, I guess. Yeah. Which I think they probably were like, she was wearing face paint, no one will tell. Even though a second I saw her, I was like, is that Karen Gillan? (laughs) And of course, Peter Capaldi. Yeah, playing a main fucking character. But I googled it and apparently they kind of wreck on it a bit. By being like... He remembers faces. I think I used to have... This face was on someone I saved a long time ago. Yeah. They're like, oh yeah, he just recycles faces. Like, okay. Okay, whatever. Like, there's more actors in Britain. But I mean, they are good actors. Not only that, Peter Capaldi plays a main role in Torchwood season three. So... In a completely different character. Yes. Fuck off. Yeah. Like, there are more... Like, he's a great actor, but Love like... Love Peter Capaldi. Don't get he me is objectively a great actor, but there's, it's not just him. What about Jason Isaacs? He's not in any yeah, Doctor Who episodes. Yeah, no, that's a good point. Oh, no, but maybe he was doing a bit more serious time. and Because some of them are a bit more serious. Like, Damien Lewis, great actor, great British actor. He's not going to turn oh up God, in this. I love Damien Lewis. I love him. Jen thinks that Kevin McKidd is... A budget Damien Lewis. 100%. <laughs> My flatmate was watching Grey's, and I'm like, who's this budget Damien Lewis? That was... The words out of my mouth. And then I showed her a photo of Damien Lewis. And I'm like, don't you think he looks like a budget version? Home brand yeah. version. Oh, no, I'm sorry, Kevin, if you're listening. We're sorry. Be better, Kevin. <laughs> Be tall and delightful. Oh, I still, I think he's pretty tall, isn't he? Who cares? Damien Lewis I, supremacy. I care. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that they interpret the fact that there is steam coming out of their veins as the mountain god must be happy. <laughs> must the mountain yeah, god. Yeah, and then they're like, shit goes down and they're like, no, we, then now he's unhappy. We have angered him. Quintus, you have angered him. Quintus is so good with the quick thinking, like putting that water on the little stone golem thing. Mm. Water pistol? That was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Quite enjoyable. Even those who says are like, it's telling us that, the, that it's harmless. So weird. Cool, okay. Well, maybe some random observations. Yes. Funny when they were like, but what? The TARDIS is translating everything in our heads, so we're speaking Latin, but to us it's not. But what do we do if we speak Latin? And then it's like, are you Welsh? And then I thought maybe before they said the Welsh thing, I was like, do they think she's Celtic because... Of her red hair. Yeah. And then they just interpret the fact that she's speaking a language that they don't understand. That, oh, you must be be Celtic. Yeah, interesting. That makes more sense to me, because how would they know what Welsh sounds like? Yeah, well, and, like, Celtic isn't, like, one homogenous thing at that point, right? Like, Welsh would be very different to... And 1879, that's, like, not super long after England got properly conquered. For, like, the average Pompeian to know what Welsh sounds like? Anyway. Anyway. (laughs) Uh, Yet again, they have to exposition the thing we're all asking, which is, what about your clothes? Yeah. And like, oh, well, it's, it's, you know, it's basically so It's hard. ancient Rome. Anything goes. Like, yeah, I right. Do, I did laugh when Donna was like, it's TK Maximus. Like, yeah, there's lots of little jokes like that. It's funny. And like, the August who said that ends up being a baddie 
isn't he Lucius Petrus Dextrus? Yeah. Which is Lucius stone right arm. <laughs> which he has a stone right arm. Amazing. Yeah. He's mean though. The prophecies he of is, women I don't like are him. limited and dull. I, d- I did write a, could we do a misogyny theme? And I was like, that's quite on the nose. Yeah. But yeah, just saying that women are shit at the job that a man can do better. Like, fuck right off. I would say this is the problem with prophecy that you could just turn around and say well actually yours is wrong and mine is right even the when they're like oh the blue box was prophesized and the woman's like no no never mind that was wrong the sibylline prophecies are wrong mine are right i'm like yeah this is no one's fact-checking prophecies no we should be any because old, we'd realize they're all bullshit any old charlatan can come along and be like ignore that prophecy listen to my prophecy like, no. yeah i feel like who's being like okay write your prophecies down put them in an envelope and then we'll check how many of them come true in a year like no one's doing that put it in a spreadsheet no one's doing that. <laughs> yeah. Should. Another misogyny. This prattling voice will cease forever. And the doctor goes, that'll be the day when Donna's getting sacrificed. But, I mean. Rude. Just, just unnecessary sides. You know, just like being a bit shitty. Her being sacrificed is quite funny. Yeah, but that just casual, like, prattling woman thing. Mm. Though she does talk a lot sometimes. She does prattle on. But I don't. <laughs> Are we problematic? Yes. The answer to that is yes. <laughs> Um, and you're okay. like, do you think anyone at works hate us? And I'm like, yes. Oh, yeah, oh my God. Like literally a week ago to Jen, I was like, Jen, honest opinion. Do you think anyone at works hates me? And she was like, yes, 100% yes. I was like, okay, cool. Good to know. <laughs> Self-awareness is key. Are you ready for my Quintus and Caecilius fact? Yes, please. Okay, so a partner that I used to date was very posh. I mean, still is. He's not dead. I don't think. <laughs> But he grew up in England, just like I did. But he grew up in a very different schooling system to me. A much posher schooling system, very expensive education. And he did Latin at school. Mm. And that kind of came up in conversation normally, whatever, in the time we were together. And he used to make jokes from his, remember what he'd remember from his like, they're called like, you know, like primers, like Mm. a Latin textbook basically and there was like a common series of the ones that were produced by a company that everyone used at that time in the 90s or whatever in england and it was quintus and caecilius and it was about this family and this was their names (laughs) and so all the time my partner would be like quintus and caecilius in the atrium because that was always a part of the textbooks you'd have to translate like that what oh quintus and caecilius are in the atrium and that's so this is the joke this is what they got because as soon as it said Quintus and Caecilius I was like no and then looked at it and they were like yeah they made a joke from these school books deep cut that only three people are gonna oh yeah (laughs) woo straight away I was like Quintus and Caecilius (laughs) yeah amazing (laughs) yeah um, yeah, and so, like, the whole family is in these, like, textbooks, and, mm. like, that's how you're learning basic Latin is by, like, Quintus is doing things. Yeah, it's like... Quintus is Duo- going to the forum. Duo the Duolingo yeah. Owl. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is his name Duo? Sure is. Oh. He's bit... an owl. A green owl. Yeah, Which they no, often ask me to translate into French, that particular <sighs> sentence. I did... 500 days of German once with Duolingo and then I just missed it one day and that was it. Yeah, I'm on a 500 and something day streak. I accidentally lost my, before this I was on a 400 day streak and I just missed it. So like this would have been a 900 day streak. That's insanity. Yeah. Do you feel a compulsion? Yes, I just, I can't let it can't let it slide but also i refuse to pay for it so i only do the same lessons over oh my god no so i'm not exactly learning a lot of french but i also sometimes get into this mind space where i do like a different language every day which really confuses my brain so i do french and japanese and dutch and italian and german (laughs) and then my brain just kind of like short circuits and i have to go back to just doing french for a bit yeah okay Mm, yeah that's my that's my pre-bed activity i do that for five minutes before i go to sleep I mean, cute. 
cute, but also that Unhinged, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Listen, it's too hot to be running around like that inside a volcano. No, dude, my note is just into the volcano. They're in it. Jen, they're in it. Yeah, you can't do that. You can't get that close to a volcano. It's the same issue I have with Mount Doom. You cannot be walking into no, a volcano no. like that. Just, Think of the air temperature alone. Well, yeah, like I've flown over an erupting volcano once and that was bad enough. The turbulence above that was insane. Like the air currents were out of control. Cannot imagine how hot it is inside there. How would Frodo have got the ring in though if you couldn't eat it impersonally? You would have just... He would have just thrown himself in. Fuck it. No, but... But if he, like, in real life, he probably couldn't even got that close no. without, like, passing out from the fumes. Especially, also not, like, the rescue at the end. They'd be 100% be dead. Like, when the lava's flowing around them and they yeah, just yeah, lie yeah. on Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, too hot, The same man. with this, when they get yeeted out. Yeah, the yeah, little yeah, no. Sp- like, what is it? Escape pod? No. So weird. Out of an erupting volcano. And then they yeah. run away from the ash, which I also just... Why is it going so slowly? Why can you run away from the ash? Nah, it doesn't make sense. You can't. See White Island, everyone. You are not well, running yeah, away from fucking no. nothing. That's like... Because the, the winds. But well, the point... And they make this point in the app when she's like, don't go to the beach! Don't go to the beach! Because Pompeii and Herculaneum, which is like a nearby a smaller town... And apparently totally nicer to go visit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was on. Yeah. It was closer to the, to the sea. So lots of people fled to the fled to the waterline to think they're safe, mm. but then very big feature of this type of eruption was a pyrocastic flow, which mm. is super heated ash and air, and it just yeets down the side of the mountain like you can't outrun it. It's insane, mm. and it just like leveled everything and it got everyone. And so why didn't they get pyrocastic flows? Maybe it was on the way, and that's what we heard and like. Remember, but oh, yeah. Would you like to see my Pompeii rock that I took from Pompeii <gasps> when I was there as a? 14 year old oh my god dude yes is it pumice no it's just a little piece of rock um excuse me you did a theft you did an international theft i know actually you brought it into new zealand isn't that biosecurity no i had it biosecurity they're listening the the sniffer the fruit beagle is gonna get you this is really interesting this is she's we're working the room here jen's got away she's coming back there you go. Whoa. I igneous. Had, I had to have it cleaned before I moved to Australia, so all my rocks got cleaned. By whom? A specialist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We had to send loads of stuff off to be clean and you get a certificate before you could take it into Australia. So we didn't bring our diseases from another country. Anyway, I, I lifted that. Whoa. Even though you're not supposed to, guys, please don't send the authorities after me. Just keep it secret. Keep it safe. <laughs> That's extremely fascinating. Now I know you have a Pompeii rock. Yeah. It's probably just some pebbles they put down, to be fair. Well, I was just thinking that. I wasn't thinking that. I was, like, thinking, like, did it get introduced at some point? But, like, I mean, it's very... This is a type of igneous rock, right? It's very hard. It's very... Black. It's very dark. <laughs> yeah. So, like, is it basalt? We could we could find out. Okay, I've lost all my rock types. I, I knew a lot more when, during museum studies when mm. I was at uni because of identifying a lot of different uh, artifacts. But, For ritual purpose. Yeah. yeah. Inevitably, yes. Yeah, cool. Okay. Well, wow. Aside, aside. Yeah. I think that is basically my rando obsies. The only thing I will say also is that they talk about Pyrovilia being gone and that's why they're trying to take over the Earth, right? So that mm. is another lost planet because if you remember the Adipose breeding planets also disappeared. Well, yeah. You think about how many people are in the universe of Doctor Who. Like, you think there'd be so many lost folks and then it's like, then it's like conquering or is it refugees? Yeah. One man's conquerors, another man's refugees. That's true. Refugees that are a bit fighty. That's don't, true. Don't tell Amnesty International I said that. But, you know, like, they're they're fighting for survival in, in a way that's a bit fucked up. But it's not like the Paravillians can knock on the door and be like, hey, let us in. So, yeah, and also if it's their base nature just to, like, conquer planets, like, if that's not a conscious thing. If it's yeah, a, uh, 
seem pretty conscious, but yeah, I know what you mean. Like if people are just fighting, if they're, you're very martial well, and you're a parasite, approach, right? Like that's just what you do. You just take over the plant. Like I'm thinking about the things that grow on my lemon tree sometimes and I have to go kill them. Do you think they're maliciously ah. trying to take over my lemon tree? No, well, tree? I mean, nature's not evil, right? Nature just is. Yeah. Oh God, that's deep. Okay. <laughs> Oh, yeah. The other thing is, like, the Doctor talks about it's Pompeo the world. And this is the choice he always has to make. It's never easy for him. So this is why yeah. it annoys me when Donna's like, meh, just make the right choice. Like, he is always facing larger-than-life decisions and cut him some slack, is what I'm saying. Also, stock footage of lava. It's pretty good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anywho. Okay. And I think the big, the big stone hench people... <laughs> We could have done better with the CGI. Like, I feel we peaked and then we've gone back a bit with the CGI. It's not quite... They spend their money on going to the Rome scene. Yeah, okay, okay, that's true. They did. They got a lot of the cast to Italy. It was still better than the flaming blob monster from Chris Eccleston's... Season one. <laughs> but not that much better. Never forget the bin that ate Mickey. <laughs> the melted bin! Oh, Yeah. Yeah. Oh, season one. What a time. Oh, yeah. Oh. Did you have a standout moment from this episode? Oh, I had a few. So, generally, his realisation and then being like, it's Volcano Day made me laugh. And it was it's odd, just like, dialogue bits, like always, mm. which are entertaining. Mm-hmm. So, like, mm-hmm. cavorting with Christians in a very accusatory way, which is funny. Though I think maybe about this time, like, Christianity had started to really inveigle. Conquer. <laughs> Yeah. If you will. Yeah. Yeah, it's quite funny when you think about it with the Vatican being in Rome and all. Literally, the most Christian-y place. I mean, apart from maybe, like, Jerusalem, but, like, everyone's got their paws on Jerusalem, all the monotheists have. It's not everyone's just the Christians. slice. Yeah. Yeah, so that was funny. Quintus being, like, teenager-y, but yeah. in ancient Rome. Yeah. I like the costumes. Great costumes, great togas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't... I didn't, like, love, love it. Mm. But I definitely didn't hate it. I, like, liked it. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was enjoyable. Yeah. How about you, friend? Standouts. Yeah, I enjoyed Quintus as well. I thought he was actually quite good. He came through. He obviously gave big vibes of a child that's over always overlooked because his sister is so amazing. But then he actually comes through in a clutch at the end. Which is yeah. Great. I really enjoy that they become the household gods. Yeah, cute. And, like, the fact that they would have carved that marble slab themselves. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The whole marble thing with the weird... St- circuits as a whole yeah, other thing. I don't, yeah, that was odd. I was like, it's getting oddly techy, but like, <laughs> not. And yeah, I just thought it was quite clever in that way mm. that it is. Oh, one other thing, it's more random, but you know when the Doctor and Donna push down the thing together to like blow everything up? Mm-hmm. Reminded me of, we are watching Peaky Blinders, which we will be discussing on our other podcast. Yes. That's on my watch list. Yeah. You'll find the link in the notes. Yep. But yeah, so that episode where John is like, offers to blow up the train arthur and arthur takes it yeah just reminded me of that then being like we'll share the load you don't have to have this on your conscious alone like yeah i can help you with that yeah sorry yeah it's what a firing squad's for isn't yeah it? So, so not one person is the person that you don't know whose bullet did the deed because yeah. five of you fired at the same time yeah <laughs> Maybe something good vibes only good vibes only yeah cool well <laughs> let's end on that note yeah cool <laughs> next time we'll be watching episode three of season four Planet of the Ood. Ood. Look who's back. back Ood again. <laughs> Ood is back. Tell a friend. 
Let us know your thoughts by emailing at tardisofonesown at gmail.com. Check out the show notes for links. There weren't any. This was just our thoughts. And for all the references discussed in this app. None of those either. None of those either, no. You can find a link to that's on our watch list. Um, And we've talked about... Succession and, and now Fleabag. Fleabag. That's our newest episode. And yeah, Picky Blinders will be coming up. Also, we're having a John Wickathon this week. Oh, we are. We are. So we're having a John Wickathon. Maybe we do an F on that. Maybe we live blog the entire thing, live stream, like 12 hours Record of John Wick. <laughs> Who wants no that? No one will listen. No one. No one. No one maybe Keanu. That. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. What's he doing these days? Like, probably not a lot. He seems chill. <laughs> no, in a nice way. He's just got like lots of money. It doesn't work here. I mean, he does John Wick still. Okay, anyway. Catch you next time. All right. Yeah, yeah. And remember, Kevin McKidd, the poor man's Damien Lewis. Goodbye, Sony. All right. Bye. Okay, bye, bye, bye.